The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. Great to be with you on a Thursday. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal loaded up here and uh, excited to talk uh, some Super Bowl with uh, all the prep and excitement. Uh, Joe Burrow and company and Cincinnati headed off to Super Bowl 56. Let's con- We'll get caught up with... Uh, brother and uh, standout linebacker for Nebraska, Jamie Burrow. Coming up in an hour, that uh, adventure that has been the Super Bowl ride for the Burrow family. Jamie today and uh, Coach Jimmy tomorrow. Uh, proud father, uh, but uh, the older brother today here in about an hour. Gary Barnett will chime in. We'll talk uh, in-state recruiting with Coach Barnett a day after signing day. Plenty of thoughts and reaction with Brandon Vogel on the job Nebraska did with uh, not only uh, signing day one and two, but also the portal work. And we can kind of expand and look at spring a little bit. I mean, we're three weeks away from spring ball starting. So Brandon Vogel with us. Harbaugh, Schefter reporting yesterday, late last night after we got done with the show that, well, Jimbo's back in, uh, in Ann Arbor. Uh, we'll tell you why that is in about 20 minutes. So numbers to get in can join us at 466-3776-4673776-800-825-5865. Can email Chris at HaleVarsity.com and uh, give us a follow. Find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio or at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. Uh, plenty to get into. And, you know, this came down earlier this morning uh, when it comes to the NU Board of Regents and uh, what is on their agenda today and moving forward for February 11th. And that is the discussion point of alcohol sales on the Board of Regents February 11th meeting agenda. So, that is something to, to dive into. And, and here's what we, what we do know. We know Big Ten Wrestling is coming to PBA. We know that is going to be March 4th and 5th and that weekend. So I'll say this, and we love the Lincoln Convention and Visitors Bureau and, and what they do to promote and bring excitement into Lincoln that goes for PBA and the folks that run that to get major events in Lincoln, right? I don't know how many times uh, as a baseball dad, 
or a basketball dad, we've we've traveled around. It's been West Des Moines, it's been Central Nebraska, it's been Omaha, and we have tournaments here in Lincoln too. And that's just the the baseball side, and you've got a couple of great facilities, uh, West Van Dorn and in West O for basketball setups. Now you have more and more youth basketball tournaments coming to town, uh, which is incredible. But this is a big deal coming up for the city and the state of Nebraska to be able to host pretty much a conference tournament championship. It's wrestling. Nebraska fans have a great coach in in Coach Manning. Nebraska has been really good in, in wrestling in the Big Ten. And that league itself is just a nightmare to try and compete in. It's so good. It's loaded. It's Iowa. It's Penn State. It's it's Nebraska, and I'm, I'm, I mean, obviously, I'm forgetting a few schools, but Ohio State's been good. Uh, you've got the Burrow factor. I mean, uh, Jordan Burrows, and and so for Nebraska to be able to land that uh, right after the uh, the boys and girls state tournaments, it's incredible. But I look at, at the the timing of this, and it, and it syncs up to, to wrestling to kind of be the beta test, Elijah. So you have the Regents considering allowing alcohol sales at Husker Athletic Events, and you have a meeting here February 11th. Uh, They're going to consider reversing the long-standing ban on alcohol sales at Husker Athletic Events. The board will consider allowing the University of Nebraska president and chancellors to authorize the sale and consumption of alcohol at uh, athletic events on campus here. So, what you're going to do here is allow alcohol sales during the Big Ten Wrestling Championships uh, at PBA. Uh, that's part of the agenda here. Uh, that, that consideration will be voted on. Uh, this was, I don't want to say led by, but it was kind of directed here by Trev Alberts and Chancellor Ronnie Green. They sponsored this proposal. They gave their thumbs up to move forward with it. Teddy Carter said, you know what? Okay, I'll recommend this. I got to sign it. And uh, it's now proposed as an addendum on the agenda. And here is Carter's statement when we talk about beyond the Big Ten Wrestling Championships. Uh, Currently, considering uh, officials are not currently considering any proposals to introduce alcohol at UNL events. That includes football for Nebraska. That includes basketball for Nebraska or baseball. Any decision in that respect would come only after the respective chancellor and I have carefully considered the economic case, the impact, the fan experience, and what's in the best overall interest. So you've got a lot of things to consider here. The reality is this for Memorial Stadium with alcohol sales. Coach Osborne's not in favor of it, never has been in favor of it. That's a giant elephant before you move forward. The second part for beer sales, booze sales at Memorial Stadium is infrastructure. Didn't go to the Garth Brooks show, didn't hear a lot of good response. Not not that anyone purposefully did anything wrong, but just from an infrastructure standpoint, it was hard to go get cocktails. At an outdoor show. I mean, Memorial Stadium was built in 24, I think. And I know there's been facelifts and and expansions and upgrades. Trev put out a survey. What's going to help your experience aside from winning at Memorial Stadium? More seat room in the end zone, right? Sure. Um, You have Nebraska fans that like to have a beer and hang out. It's, It's well past time to 
give fans a choice to spend 12 or 14 bucks on a beer or whatever your your mixed drink of choice is. It's far past time. You go to an NC, back when Nebraska was going to Orange Bowls, guess what? Dad and I could roll up and get a beer. Draft or giant 40, <laughs> okay? Uh, you go to any basketball venues, the uh, first few rounds of the NCAA tournament, they have it. You go to uh, TD Ameritrade, they've got cocktails. You go to UNO Hockey, you go to Baxter Arena, you go to Creighton at CHI. They have beer. They can handle it. And I, I just think it's time. You have the, the revenue part of it. And, and it's not that it, it's going to be this giant waterfall of, of extra money, but it is an additional revenue stream. And it's an amenity, as Trev Alberts touched on on his last appearance with the network. You, you had probably quite a bit of feedback, feedback with Nebraska fans saying, yeah, you know, it'd be nice to be able to have a beer and watch football. But, but I think what you do is you set the table first and foremost, Elijah, to you got the rest of the Big Ten schools rolling in. They're going to be spending money at your restaurants. They're going to be spending money at your hotels. They're going to be spending money at your bars. And they want to have a beer and watch some kick-ass wrestling. They're going to be able to do that, hopefully, after things proceed on February 11th. And if wrestling can handle it, don't you think Nebraska baseball fans outdoors could be able to handle it? Because you have it for the Salt Dogs. And the Salt Dogs do a great job, and you get a cold beer and a hot dog and watch some good baseball, some great baseball. And then Nebraska baseball, I mean, think about it. It isn't going to be too off into the near-distant future where Nebraska baseball is going to be good enough to be hosting regionals and super regionals. Why not have that option, not just in postseason, but during the regular season for a PBA? Hell, Lord knows you need a drink for this season. And I, and I kind of kid, but not really. It's set up to do it. Baseball's set up to do it. Football, I know that's a giant elephant to, to tackle, but the time is now to to move forward and see what, what you can do. Think about the, the naming rights or the pouring rights. I mean, you're going to be able to make money, and you're going to be able to make extra money. And I honestly don't think it's going to hurt the bars. You're, listen, you're going to go have a beer at a ball game and watch Nebraska, and, and either you're well on your way to overdoing it, or it or you're not, and you just want to have a social drink and, and, and be able to handle it. I don't look at it as turning into Boulder in 2005, where trust fund use, uh, throwing empty bottles and, 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 and plastic on the field because they're getting rolled. I don't see Nebraska fan, not every Nebraska fan's an angel. I get that. But I don't see Nebraska turning into this drunken mosh pit of psychos. I just think that Nebraska fans are mature and can handle it. And you, you can handle it about everywhere else in, the, in college sports. So why not have it at your home base and your home venues, make some extra money, and, and, and take a, a serious look at it? That's part of the grown-up conversation about what can, what can we do to make Nebraska athletics a better experience, not just football but beyond. This is part of that conversation because a lot of other places do it. A number of Big 12 schools do it. A ton of places in the Big 10 can handle it. And it's not going to be – listen, it's not the reason you will go. It's just an option for you to have 
and it, it, it's expensive. You're going to spend what you spend at concerts, concert beer. It's going to be a $12, $14, $10, whatever. I mean, that's the range. You can't get out of a concert. I'm not knocking or whining. I'm just saying this is the reality. You can't get a, You can't find a, a beer under 9 or 10 bucks. You just can't. And you know that going in, you're going to have a couple unless you hit a a lottery ticket, and so be it. But that's my take here. I'm glad that this discussion's being had. You've got some smart folks on the Board of Regents, and UNO's handled it. Trev's been in that world a long time. I think he knows how to make this work. He knows how to make it work for some extra money. And I think, above all, it's an amenity thing that, listen, if we're going to upgrade, that's part of the upgrade. And I just want to almost pose the question to you because you've seen a lot of college football around the country. I've seen a lot of college football around the country, stadiums with beer, stadiums without beer. And aside from Boulder, have you seen a place where alcohol has become an issue within the stadium? Where the alcohol Brother, it was an issue when I was in college because we were too big a jackasses to handle it appropriately. Well, I, I think I'm saying sneaking in in your buddy's flask and getting after it that way. And that's what I'm saying is it's almost safer to have it as a place where, where the stadium is selling it. And you have employees that can say, no, you're too drunk. I can't sell you anymore. As opposed to some guy who's just got a, a bottle in his back pocket. I remember in Iowa City uh, when I went to an Iowa game a couple of years ago, there was a student who brought in an entire 30 rack of bush. No idea how he did it. Still in they, the box. They walk into it when they were when they had stopped selling beer in Boulder. They did that in '94, okay. And maybe they do it now. I I didn't buy a beer in Boulder in 2019. <laughs> I was wheezing a little bit <laughs> with the altitude <laughs> and being out of shape. But I listen. You've got two fan bases that that spoil it, and I know I'm broad brushing, but Colorado fans historically have been nasty. With or without alcohol, they're a little bit more revved up with booze. And then Wisconsin fan. Wisconsin football, at least I I've still remember horror stories stories from fans that first uh, Nebraska-Wisconsin night game. Don't know who went this year. This goes back to the Russell Wilson-Taylor Martinez game, I think back in 11. Mm-hmm where Wisconsin fans were just lit up. But it was a night game. I mean, it's good. Listen, you're going to have some bad apples. You're going to have some kids and some students that can't handle it. And that's just going to be that's going to be everywhere. It shouldn't prevent the responsible from from being able to do this. And if they shoot it down, I'm not going to scream about it. It's just a missed opportunity. And and if you're going to try and charge more and you're going to shrink seating or expand seating or you know kind of mess with the the overall attendance numbers then listen to your fans you've listened to your fans about what's going to happen in the south end zone or the end zone seating and trev's i think trying to listen to his fans as is ronnie as is as is uh, ted there's a lot of fans who want it And, and and bill moose even floated out there in 2019 save your jokes but from a club level standpoint or a suite standpoint or some preferred seating, I mean, this is a way to maybe charge extra, like a beer section. And I, if you can afford it, and I'm not naive, I mean, people are probably pouring one in a, in a solo cup in a suite if they want to. If you don't, it's not a big deal. But it needs to be an option for the University of Nebraska. I'll just say, being able to have a beer in the stadium is not going to change 
Nebraska status is the greatest fans in college football. Al- alcohol is not going to change that. I don't think Nebraska fans become mean and nasty because of alcohol. And it, I went up to a, a game in you're Wisconsin. Showing, you're, you're showing up from a tailgate or the bars exactly. after you got after it. Yep. If you, Period. If you want to be enjoying a couple beverages on your Husker football game, you're going to anyway. Mm-hmm. Just send some of the money to the, back, b- to the back, back to the athletic department. Yep. It's real simple. Dan chimes in, the average person would need to take out a small loan to get drunk enough to get unruly at stadium <laughs> prices. <laughs> Very fair. Very fair. But, hey, the conversation's starting. Trev and Ronnie said, hey, Ted, what do you think of this? Let's talk about it with the Regents. Let's make it happen for wrestling. Because guess what? You, you get that implemented for wrestling, special case or not, they're going to have a great experience in Lincoln, which means you can have wrestling back, which means you can spend more money at restaurants and hotels, and it helps the city and state. Brandon Vogel's next. Hello, listener. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to let you know about a special deal just for listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show Podcast. We're offering $10 off the annual subscription price of $29.99. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we do. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HailVarsity.com. Just go to HailVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Like him or not, Paul Feinbaum buries Jim Harbaugh. We'll have that coming up. Jimmy Burrow is tomorrow Jamie Burrow today. We'll talk about uh, a miraculous 2001 Nebraska football season and uh, little bro doing his thing and on to the Super Bowl. Brandon Vogel is with us at Brandon L. Vogel on Twitter is where you follow him. Managing editor with HailVarsity.com and Magazine and author with Dream Like a Champion. Uh, him and John Cook sat down, wrote an incredible book. Vogues, have you uh, purchased any orange and black gear? <laughs> no, not yet, but I might I might have to before we get to uh, a week from this Sunday. The, the Bengals story, and I, and I barely follow the NFL at all. I basically, like, jump in like a bandwagon fan <clears throat> when, when the playoffs start and Pretty remarkable um, to see how they've won these won these games. Obviously, there's the, the the Nebraska link. I think Jamar Chase, given that he was coached and recruited by Mickey Joseph, who's basically a Husker at this point. So, <laughs> a lot of lot of options there. Well, it's our you're a tad busy during the fall with with volleyball and football. Just saying so. But no, it's crazy with the Kevin Bacon six degrees of separation, not even six, but like two for for Nebraska and uh, this situation, uh, you know, omitting the, the obvious horse that has been beaten to death uh, with, with Burrow in Nebraska. But we'll move on. Uh, okay, Vogues, yes or no, do you feel 
like the the door is being unlocked and it's eh, a little more than a crack here with the the news with the board of regents agenda for their february 11th meeting when it comes to alcohol and, and sporting events uh it doesn't change a whole lot for me. I mean, I think, and, and, you know, I think Trev's comments to this, at least based on the last time he was on the radio, you know, kind of spell this out as it's, it's, it's Nebraska's own decision and it comes with its own set of, you know, considerations, et cetera, like for the Garth Brooks concert, you know, we saw it for that. Um, the fact that it's going to to be there for Big Ten wrestling is interesting. I mean, you know, the bigger thing for me was like just kind of noting that Big Ten wrestling, like this is a this is a big event that's, yes. that's coming to Lincoln, and outside of the NCAA tournament, it's probably the best collection of college wrestling talent you'll find, and, and I'm sure they'll draw good crowds. Um, so, so maybe it, it exists as a, a little bit of a test case, uh, for Nebraska, but I still think there's a lot wrapped up in what Nebraska ultimately decides to do for its own sporting events, because, you know, there's just, people feel strongly about it on both sides. Well, to land an event like big 10 wrestling's incredible and you do it right the first time and Lincoln will. Uh, and you can get it a second time, and let's just keep counting, or at least be part of the rotation. But you know, why why does the opening round of the NCAA tournament have to keep going to, to CHI? I mean, why not yeah. start bidding and pitching to get some opening round pods to to Lincoln? Get get be be a part of that. And if if it turns out you have to have a special session of the the regents to to okay that, so be it. But I'm thinking, you know, you've got infrastructure already in baseball and in, in basketball, so you're, you're good to, to just kind of plug in. Memorial Stadium, infrastructure-wise, not, not built for beer. I don't know if volleyball fans would, would, be, would care, I mean, if they have beer or not, but that's also a, a discussion point, um, and I don't know that – the, the Devaney, ironically, named after that legend who, who liked a cocktail or two, <laughs> is, is not set up for beer. But the point is, is you've got two of your main sports, so softball in there too, where you can kind of plug and play, Vogues, if you, if you want to, if you feel like it's, a, it's a, an amenity that's worth it. Yeah, and that might, be the, that might be the bigger point, you know, because this, you know, impacts Pinnacle Bank Arena and what it's able to do. I mean, you just mentioning Lincoln as a, you know, potential first, first, second round NCAA tournament host, like, you know, you and I are pretty close to the same age. How many times did we, you know, turn, turn on the first two days of March Madness and see them in Boise, which at the time had a court that was painted kind of crazy and you're like, okay, well, I, you know, I guess <laughs> why, why are they in Boise? Um, but you know, it, 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 it would be great to, to have one of those, those first, first two rounds in Lincoln. So, 
Um, I think, you know, I think Nebraska is being pretty smart about it. Like they're, they're gauging fan interest. We know they sent out, you know, this massive questionnaire, at least of football season mm-hmm. ticket holders. And, you know, I, I, I feel pretty good about, about where the Huskers are in this discussion. They're taking it slow. Like they, they know that there's, there's some viewpoints on, on each side and, and they'll make the best decision they can. But they also have kind of these these test cases, and Big Ten Wrestling will be the next one, mm-hmm. where they can kind of try things out and see what happens. Well, and Trev lived in a world where you could get a beer at hockey, you could get a beer at UNO, basketball. So he's he's already swam in this pool uh, with uh, with yep. Division One. So there's uh, some experience there as far as knowing how to navigate and. And deal. Uh, Brandon Vogels with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Vogels, let's go over to, to signing day 2.0, Coach Frost. And and before we get into some impressions from you on the class, some other things that came out, uh, Coach Frost talks, talked about kind of, you know, the refresh, uh, specifically uh, the, the fresh ideas with this new coaching staff on offense. What do you think could be fresh with the offense? When we talk about fresh ideas, what what is something fresh you'd like to see this spring and, and certainly implemented this fall on the offensive side? Um, I mean, I, I assume based on where Whipple is coming from and where he's been and and the quarterbacks that they brought in, you know, you might see the the most kind of quote unquote fresh ideas on. The, the passing part of the ledger, you know, so, and it, it, and it's frankly an interesting question. Can you be a successful big 10 team without say Ohio state talent by being a team that throws a ton? And, and I don't know if we've really seen that. Like Purdue is probably, well, Purdue almost definitely is the mm-hmm. best current example of that. And they've been up and down. You kind of have to go back to Kevin Wilson's, Indiana to, to see the, the most recent example of that outside of Purdue. And, and that was a team that was consistently or a program during his tenure there that was consistently like, they've got some things working here. They're pretty good, but they, they couldn't get over that kind of bowl eligibility hump. They, they did once or twice, but um so, so that's the interesting thing to me. Like, I, I look at this Nebraska team and look at what they have coming back, and I think, okay, if they wanted to go the pass-heavy route, like, I think the pieces are in place. But really what they need to do, like, their strengths based on returning, returning production are – should be the running game and, and it probably needs to be the running game. So it's, it's still a marriage of that because the frost offense from what we saw from 18 to 21 was run heavy and getting run heavier, even though it wasn't working all that well past say 2018, that's kind of where they were going. And that's not where Whipple has been. So I think that's going to be the interesting kind of interchange there between those two philosophies when we get into spring football. Well, Brandon, I think I need to jump in here because you're going to make the, the run the damn ball people unhappy if you keep talking. Um, <laughs> but whenever I look at it, 
I just wonder if there's going to be a, a change in philosophy in how this team runs the ball. I mean, last season, a lot of zone schemes. Uh, it didn't look like the, the Nebraska of old running the football. And, and that's where I wonder, did they go more uh, to, a, to a power scheme running the ball with, uh, with the, the giant mauling offensive linemen they have? Or do they maybe put the ball in the hands of Casey Thompson and tell him how to fake slide? Yeah, I would I would guess or I would at least shade towards more of the the power run of like here's what we know we do well, here's what we know we can block, and we have the running backs to execute it, and that's what we're going to do. Because if you step back and look at it, like the the troubling thing to me about Nebraska's run game of late, and I'm talking specifically about handoff run game is that you had the threat of Adrian Martinez this entire time. And I don't think there's a quarterback on the roster, like maybe Smothers gets the closest to where you're like, oh, there's there's somebody else who presents as much of a threat in terms of what they can do with carrying the ball in their hands at the quarterback position as as Martinez did. So, so what do you do with that? And, you know... <laughs> I, I don't know at this point. Like it, it seems to point towards uh, they're going to be a little more traditional run game, a little more traditional pass game. But I guess we'll see, and, and we'll start seeing here, you know, in a couple of weeks as, as spring football kicks off. Vogue's about a minute overall. Give me uh, ask Greg yesterday. Put everything in the uh, the jambalaya pot here and. Give me a grade here. What did you like about Nebraska's 2.0 signing day yesterday? Yeah, I, I mean, the, the two additions that they got I thought were pretty good. And so you add those to the traditional signing class they had and then what they were able to do in the transfer market, which is a, a totally new avenue we're still trying to, to fully grasp and understand. Like, I, I'd give them a solid B. Mm-hmm. Like, they're – they were better off after yesterday than I thought they would be a month ago. So I think, I think they did pretty well. It's a class in my mind that if Nebraska turns things around and this staff kind of is able to stay together and, and continue on for, for multiple years, you're like, okay, it can be part of the plan. It gets tricky where if Nebraska has to make a coaching switch and all of a sudden you're looking at a group of, you know, 15 kids that you sign, that's where those things kind of become a problem. So if it's part of a long-term plan, uh, I feel okay about it. If it ends up having to be a short-term plan, eh, it, it might come back to haunt you two, three, four years from now. Brandon Vogel with us from Hale Varsity. Vogues, have a good rest of your week, bud. You too. Thank you. Hello, listener. This is Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor of Hale Varsity, and I wanted to let you know about a special deal just for listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast. We're offering $10 off the annual subscription price of $29.99. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we produce, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. 
Chime in 402-466-ESPN or email the show, Chris at HaleVarsity.com. Just try me. Try me. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Official comment here from Trev Alberts. Uh, with uh, alcohol and Big Ten Wrestling, the Big Ten Wrestling Championship provides an opportunity for increased fan amenities at a championship event in Lincoln, allowing alcohol sales in the Conference Wrestling Championship would be consistent with beverage options provided at Big Ten Championship competitions in many sports, including Big Ten Baseball in Omaha, the infrastructure at PBA is a place to handle, is in place to handle alcohol sales, and we appreciate the Board of Regents considering and their consideration of this request. So, again, back to what we were talking about earlier. Everywhere else it's happening. Don't ace yourself out of future opportunities to host by, by not making a special exception or using that special exception for uh, a bigger picture discussion point. Numbers to get in, 466-3776-800-825-5865. Open phones for you till 5. Uh, and we'll check in with uh, Husker standout and older brother of Joe Burrow, Jamie Burrow, coming up in 20 minutes. Gary Barnett in hour two. Danny Burke will dive into some, some Super Bowl uh, prompts and early lines out there. And can always email Chris at HaleVarsity.com. I mean, you look at some feedback, you check some emails, and you have the the anti-alcohol crowd and, and Coach Osborne's part of that. It's not that he is going to hate you if you have a beer. He's just had some pretty real-life experiences where you've had alcohol involved uh, and... You can't throw his his take by the wayside. Now, I think the overall fan base can handle it. And it needs to, to be a, a bigger picture discussion for more events to come to Lincoln. <laughs> and and also just the, the fan base in general for, for your major sports. Give them the option, give them the opportunity. I mean, there's events that get special approval on campus for wine, right? Uh, so let's just look at it as adults. Uh, Rock tweets in at Schmidt underscore radio at Herbal Essence for Elijah. When we talk about fan amenities, Rock's touching on the, uh, you know, his first pick, it sounds like, before beer or a shot of captain is is the seat widening. Double and widen the aisles. Always buy an aisle seat for Memorial Stadium, otherwise, um, or otherwise close to, to one once a year. I got stuck in the middle of a aisle, high in South End Zone. Uh, I learned what a whale and sardine. Uh, I learned what a whale in a sardine can that has to pee for two hours feels like, as I try and spit that out. But yeah. That's the reality. As long as we're making changes with uh, widen the aisles, the seats, let me have a, a Coors or a Bud Heavy, maybe even, dare I say, a zipline. 
let's uh, let's let's throw some gambling kiosks. I'm kidding. Well, I said it before. Just you just you just want a one stop shop, don't you? Elijah wants to walk into South End Zone, put his money down, Nebraska to cover, buy a big old beer for seventeen ninety nine, mm-hmm. and then while he's there. Uh, the buddy he's going with is is all into gummies when he goes out yeah. to Denver. The, the, the so you wanted the dispensary? dispensary. <laughs> you wanted the dispensary, uh, a gambling den, and a place to buy alcohol. All in one. One-stop shop. Throw, throw some lottery tickets in there, too. The, we love the Nebraska lottery. <laughs> uh, we will not take any more emails on... <laughs> The, the brothel suggestion. <laughs> <laughs> the trifecta plus one. Um, uh, Vic chimes in, I would drink less at a Husker game if they sold beer. Be- again, yeah. you can't afford it. That's, that's what I was hitting on back in the first segment. The fact that the people who are going to drink are, are going to do it more so because you, you can't get You're, you're going to fill up your cooler mm-hmm. and you're going to buy the parking spot. And you're going to have a couple three there. And then you're going to go to the game. And guess what? You're going to watch your team win and hopefully knock off number three Michigan someday. Right? I mean, that's, that's what it is. Well, Michigan being number three, I'm not sure about that with, with, with Harbaugh's situation. We'll there. get there in a minute. <laughs> Husker baseball news. Four captains named for Big Red Baseball. Cam Chick, uh, Griffin Everett, Kyle Perry, Shea Shanneman. They've been selected. And uh, Will Bolt says these four guys bring their own style of leadership to our team. As a group, they continue to set the high standard of our program day in, day out. These guys have proven themselves of self- as selfless teammates, consistent hard workers in their time here, and they're certainly deser- deserving of the honor. Those are the four guys that are going to help make or break uh, this baseball season Shannon, of course, from GI, Perry from uh, from Omaha, Everett uh, from Lincoln, and uh, Cam out of Columbia, Missouri. So we'll uh, get some thoughts on on Jimbo Harbaugh coming back to college in a moment. Who's with us? Got Paul on the line. Paul, thanks for hanging on. Go ahead, bud. Hey guys. Uh, first, the best improvement we could have at Memorial Stadium: more winning. Yep, on the field. On the field, baby. Uh, Getting back to uh, our rankings in the latest recruiting class, I kind of mentioned this yesterday. I wasn't sure if it got on the uh, air, but uh, I think we have to consider both parts of the freshman coming in from high school and the transfer portal in evaluating a class. Mm-hmm. When they say it's one of our worst class ever, except when you look at the transfers and we're in the top 10 in the transfer portal. I think it's a good class, and therefore, it's just like when uh, they used to rate uh, Nebraska as one of the worst teams in the nation passing. Well, no kidding. We were number one in rushing. Paul, Nebraska was averaging 19 yards of completion off the old option play action. Sure. It worked when we passed, but we hardly ever passed. And and you, you absolutely stung a secondary off of the play action because your run game was so dominant. So it was a, a quality versus a quantity, for sure. Oh, sure. And, Gilman, uh, Gilman getting the pass, 
Oh, my gosh. That was one of the most beautiful plays you ever saw. It was good. Paul, thank you for the phone call, brother. Appreciate it. And, no, he's right. And and I think we, we look at it that way. you got to hybrid this thing where you look at the, the, the immediate, tran- immediate transfers. Because guess what? Casey Thompson's, if he wins the job or when he wins the job, is going to be asked to be dynamite. Do as well as he did at Texas from a numbers and a, and a percentage, completion percentage standpoint, with a lot of toys around him. But it's up to the O-line to be able to run so you're not one-dimensional. And the defense got to be as good or better as last year. That's the big ask is what, what you have on defense. Uh, Jim Harbaugh and uh, Paul Feinbaum square off next. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time, Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery Hour 1. Coming up in about 10 minutes, we'll check in with uh, Husker Standout and older brother of Joe Burrow, Jamie Burrow, comes uh, on the show and Part of that uh, fantastic 2001 squad that got to the national title game. Pretty big wins that year against Notre Dame. And, of course, uh, Jamie had 17 tackles against Oklahoma in that number one versus number two showdown. And we'll talk about the whirlwind that has been uh, you know, Joe Cool in Cincinnati in this playoff run. Gary Barnett at 525. Danny Burke, Burke's best bets. As uh, Danny will check in some early Super Bowl thoughts uh, when it comes to props and some early wagering, what's happening out in Vegas and where Danny's at with Visa Sports Network. Let's hear from Paul Feinbaum uh, about the 12th or almost 13th hour. Jim Harbaugh back at Michigan. I think they finished number eight in the in the country, number three in the Big Ten. But they had some pretty big-time commits flip, one down to Oklahoma, an edge rusher, I think. And, uh, well, Feinbaum went in with both knives on Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh could screw up a one-car funeral, Greeny, and I think he did that yesterday. Uh, He had everything going for him. He had the best season he's had at Michigan. He goes to the playoffs, and he has a good recruiting year, and in some ways, he he throws it all away. I'd use a stronger word, but we're on morning television. And for what? Uh, It's apparent from listening to the experts, he, he did not have this job. It doesn't look like he would have gotten the job. He held his school hostage for a month. Uh, he, he promised recruits, uh, you sign with me and I'll be here. And, and I know that some have said he's been transparent, but he was, he was MIA on one of the most important days of the year. And, and I think it's a very terrible look for Jim Harbaugh in Michigan. Don't disagree. Bad look. I think he wants to go to the NFL. I think the 10 years, $100 million asking price too steep, even though his history has been good. It's been a while. It's been seven years since he's uh, eight years since he's been in the NFL. Uh, four NFC championships and a Super Bowl run, almost a Super Bowl. But the problem with Harbaugh is the asking price, and uh, honestly, too, the retribution. Don't kid yourself. He did this, uh, whether he got the job or not, to stick it to Michigan, who cut his pay, even though they they wiped out the the president that was there. Uh, that hired him and then that it was problematic with cutting his pay. This is some payback for Harbaugh, more from Feinbaum. It's given Ryan Day at Ohio State a tremendous recruiting advantage. He already had that. But now, you know, if, if it comes down between a, a one player deciding between Michigan and Ohio State, 
Ryan, they just plays the tape of this program this morning. Uh, what else does he have to do? Uh, because Jim Harbaugh looks, just looks confused. I mean, he's nearly 60 years old, and he's trying to decide, like a lot of these 18-year-olds on signing day, which hat do I put on? And it turns out that the, the hat I think he wanted to put on wasn't even available. That, that's the worst part of this. It's one thing if he turned down the job. But, but Greeny, it doesn't look like he did that. It looks like he went up there and found out he may not be getting the job. The thing that's funny here is is the Raiders situation. They went with McDaniel. Harbaugh sounded like he was interested in that. Maybe there was some discussion with him and the Bears. He was a former Bear quarterback. I think you made a mistake if you're the Raiders, if you could have gotten Harbaugh and you picked McDaniel over Harbaugh. Now, there's dynamics that are real with Harbaugh, and he's not the most uh, easygoing guy to work with, but you got to find the right GM for him. That's what ruined things in San Francisco. They were doing well there. All right, we'll uh, talk Burrow, Super Bowl run, uh, Jamie Burrow, next, Hour 2 on Hale Varsity. Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity, and I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we produce, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's Hale Varsity dot com backslash subscribe promo code gbr welcome to hail varsity radio the voice of husker nation insight opinion expertise with the biggest and best names talking nebraska across the state join the show on twitter at hail varsity and at schmitz underscore radio call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865 here's chris schmitz Back with you, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. What a run for Joe Burrow and Cincinnati off to the Super Bowl. A standout Husker, part of that magical 2001 team. Middle linebacker Jamie Burrow with us. Jamie, how's the uh, the whirlwind been? Thanks for the time. It's been a while since I've had uh, this much media interest. The last time this happened, I, I didn't have uh, a wife and kids and, and a career that was as busy as it is right now. Man, I'm sure you've got new best friends and new family best friends and everyone's wanting a piece. And, and thanks for the time again. Is it fair to say we're talking post-Oklahoma 01 media attention-wise? I don't know if it's that if that was a pretty good uh, amount of attention that I got after after that game. But uh, for, for someone in their 40s, um, it's a lot more than I've had in the last decade. Let's just put it that way. I got to ask you, were you responsible for the Ben and Butenbeck Mohawk? I think that was Ben's alternate ego that's named Van Booski, which is uh, he wanted to be a, a WWF wrestler at one point. So I think that was all his doing. Tell me more about this Van Booski. Uh, Van Booski was uh, like to do his finishing move on other linebackers um, while at practice. And, and his main target was a, a, a guy by the name of Rod Baker. What did Rod do to deserve such uh, fury? Oh, I think he just happened to be the, the, the most accommodating um, to just let him do the move, and he was probably lighter than me, which was which was helpful. 
J.B. Burrow is with us. So we'll get to football and Super Bowl and all that, but I want to go a little bit deeper into the 0-1 linebacking core. Were you guys a group of crazies? I remember covering you because your your on-field play was incredible. I think there was – I mean, we just had a really solid group of guys. Um, the starters that year were Scott Shanley, myself, and Mark Vedrill. And I think the only one that could – be categorized as crazy as mark um <laughs> but uh then other than that again we had um tj hollowell i can't i think i think randy stella was still part of that um team and ira cooper was there and and um oh and and let's not forget barrett rude so barrett rude and and tj really uh were were big contributors um and i mean tj could play every linebacker position so having someone with uh, that sort of uh, utility is, is pretty valuable. And I, I think you, you've continued, continued to see that um, in football this day and age with all the kind of hybrid uh, players that can play, you know, all over the field. Jamie Burrow is with us. Uh, we're talking some Husker football and, of course, uh, the Super Bowl. Did you guys give Rudy a tough time coming in, or, or was he a dude early on? I've known um, the, the Rude family and the Burrow family go way, way back. Uh, my dad is friends with Tom. So we'd known each other, um, you know, almost feel like we, we grew up together, even though I, li- I grew up in Iowa and he grew up in, in Nebraska. But, um, I mean, he was he was pretty dang good right when he came in, pretty developed. But we did give him uh, his uh, a fair amount of flack. And it was and I took an incredible amount of joy in, in doing so. <laughs> JB, uh, I want to get into the uh, the experience with uh, with Joe and just you being the older brother, uh, your job is to make the younger brother miserable. I, I mean, that's how it worked in my family. Now, my younger brother uh, is bigger, stronger, faster, leaner. I mean, just he's he's not a pile of garbage is what I'm getting at. Uh, did you have a lot of fun uh, with, with your childhood as the older brother with Joe? Well, um, a lot of people don't, I mean, some people think I'm Joe's dad on social media, just, uh, and and there's and I'm old enough to be his dad. Um, Joe was born my senior year, so you got me, um, you know, 18 years older than Joe. My brother Dan, 15 years older. So, you know, a lot of his um, upbringing, we weren't, you know, we weren't as as present as we as I was with my other brother. Mm-hmm. But um, we'd always have a, a really good time over Christmas and and um, and then. Uh, we go to Florida every summer and uh, we would play ping pong. We'd, we'd go play basketball. There'd be a lot of video games and it was just, uh, it was, it was a lot of fun. So, so we didn't, um, we didn't give Joe as much crap as we gave each other, Dan and myself. It was more just, you know, let's support this kid. Um, We're not really, I personally wasn't around enough to, to, I guess, uh, ruffle his feathers. Um, You know, I just wanted to, spend some time and, and not be the jerk older brother. I wanted to support him. And, um, you know, we, we've always done that. We've taken a lot of pleasure in watching Joe from a young age. Um, and he's excelled, you know, all the way throughout um, his athletic progression. And, and there was different times where we thought he was going to be a baseball player. We thought he was going to be a basketball player. And then, you know, the, the football kind of came on a little bit later just because uh, physically he developed um, a little a little bit slower than maybe some mm-hmm. of his peers. Jamie Burrow is with us, Hale Varsity Radio, talking about, uh, well, being a Burrow and uh, watching 
uh, Joe uh, as he's continued to, to thrive. And, of course, Jamie's time with Nebraska uh, stand out on that 0-1 team that went to the national title game and uh, some big ball games that 0-1 season, Notre Dame, Oklahoma, uh, that's sticking a lot of Nebraska fans' minds. So, Jamie, with, with Joe and kind of his explosion did he ever touch base with you? I mean, you were a Division One college football player. The teams you played on at Nebraska were always top five, right? I mean, you guys were hovering around that 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 championship level, right there. And and then you look at Joe, and Joe's a guy that that had to earn everything he's gotten wherever he's been. Did he reach out to you? Did he reach out to your pops? Just as far as the process, I mean, that's that's what's so impressive. Not only the talent, but the way Joe's done it. Yeah, I think that he's always had, um, you know, good mentors, whether he needed them or, or not. Um, and my myself, my brother Dan, and then uh, my father, um, kind of for everything. Um, Dan and I, there were times where Joe's pretty private and keeps to himself, um, you know, except for kind of there's glimpses and rare moments where he's uh, talks a little bit more and, and lets you in a little bit more. But Dan and I were there at times just to be older brothers and kind of just tell him, um, you know, how we, how we see things. Um, and a lot of times, you know, when you're in the moment, you can't see things as clearly, um, as someone from the outside. Mm -hmm. So when someone from the outside, you know, that has no hidden agenda that really is looking out for your best interest, that carries some weight. Um, and there, so there's been times where Dan and I just said, Hey, I don't know, if you need to hear this or you want to hear it, but as your older brother, I just, you know, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you how I see things. And then some of that was just discussions about, you know, um, different decisions with athletics and and whatnot. There was discussions uh, on where he was going to go um, and what he was thinking. And there was discussions about his time at Ohio state. And then there was discussions um, when he was deciding to transfer and um, I think all three of us, my dad my, and my brother, Dan, and myself provided a little, um, I don't know if it was re- really guidance. It was more just dialogue. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's his own person and makes his own decisions and is confident um, in his ability to, um, you know, kind of get a lay of the land, um, use his head and his heart and his gut to make uh, the decision, a decision that he can live with. And, and so far, um, the decisions he's made have been, have been pretty solid. Jamie Burrows with us, Sale Varsity Radio. Uh, Joe Burrow, Cincinnati to the Super Bowl. Listen, what was your immediate reaction with with Cincy in that first that that first pick overall? I mean, yeah, on one hand, great, but also a tough situation just historically speaking. And and you know, Zach Taylor's there's there's a lot of Nebraska fans that that love Zach, and he was you know a sec, then a second year head coach. And everyone was kind of cheering hard for him to, to make it work, but not always an easy situation to go into. I mean, you're going number one overall to a team that needs number one overall. Yeah, I think there's, um, I mean, it mixed emotions. Um, obviously, you're excited because he went number one, um, but the higher you go in the draft, the worse uh, the team has performed on the field. So you have some concerns about that. And then, um, you know, the, the kind of the national narrative with the Bengals and not spending uh, the money that they need to, um, you know, just in, in just in general. Um, there's some concerns there that you want to make sure that they support the number one draft pick. And um, I certainly think that 
they put their the, their money where their mouth is with free agency last year. Um, I mean, they got a they got a lot of huge contributors: uh, Trey Hendrickson, uh, Cheeto Awuzie, Mike Hilton. Um, defensively, they really shored things up. Um, and I didn't I knew who Zach Taylor was. I didn't have a lot of um, interaction or experience with him. Um, Joe loves him. I I since. Uh, have met I met Zach uh, in Denver for the Bronco game, and he just seems like a great guy. Um, you know, now I've, as I've been following it more, um, he's developed, you know, what I think is the best locker room culture in the NFL. And uh, when you have a lot of people uh, pulling in the same di- direction, sharing the same vision, and having fun in the process and loving each other, some special things can happen. And I, I've seen. Um, you know, Joe plays a big part in setting that culture. I've seen him do it in high school. Uh, I've seen him uh, do it at Ohio State that a lot of people didn't get to see. And then I saw him do it at LSU. And, you know, now he's a major component in, um, in, in what's going on in Cincinnati. What's your take on, on the level he's at? I mean, he's making incredible plays, uh, phenomenal throws. He's under pressure. You know about what that can do to a quarterback, being the defensive guy you were in college. Did does he amaze you? I mean, not really. And and when people people ask me, oh, can you believe what he's doing? And um, honestly, at such a young age, I, I remember we were at the Orleans Bowl, and he was probably like eight years old. <laughs> and so um, we're in the Superdome, and I'm playing catch with him. Um, and he's thrown it like tight spirals, like 30 to 35 yards. And I, I look over at my dad and I'm like, Hey, uh, this isn't, that's not normal. Is it? And my dad's like, absolutely not. So, <laughs> um, you know, you kind of seen the progression and things that he did in high school. Um, uh, again, it, he was, it was like the Hoosiers of football. So there's a lot of, a lot of kids that really didn't have the ability to do the things that they were doing. And they just believe so much in, in Joe and wanted um, you know, Joe's belief in, in them, you know, made them think that they could do things that, you know, they probably shouldn't have been able to do. They beat uh, in the semifinal game, they beat LeBron James uh, High School, who was back to back defending state champions. Um, they be- came from 10 points down in the fourth quarter and Joe led them down the field on that and they won. And then they played uh, a Toledo Central Catholic um, in the state championship game. And I think they had like 16 division one guys on that team. And, and Joe's team did have some talent. I think they had, uh, I think they had, including Joe, I think they had five or six um, Division One kids. Uh, one one went to a Power Five. All the other ones um, went to some some smaller mm-hmm. um, smaller schools. But uh, it doesn't surprise me. I've seen him do it at every level. Um, I've seen him do it at Ohio State in spring game. Um, actually, the the most surprising to me was what happened his junior year at LSU, um, just because it was so foreign from a productivity standpoint, as I had seen for, for his whole life. So we're often more amazed when um, when things don't go as well as they've been going lately than when they go well. Jamie, I'll get you out here uh, shortly. Jamie Burrow with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Uh, what are you anticipating experience-wise uh, as you get ready for Super Bowl 56? Um, well, it's, uh, for me, I'm just trying to get all the things done that I need to, um, I think we got all of our ticket situation handled in the last 48 hours. Um, we've made our travel arrangements and, ho- and, uh, and, and sleeping accommodations, which wasn't easy. 
I mean, prices on all this stuff is ridiculous at this point. Um, so, so all that's handled, um, which is great. I just need to get some things handled for work, uh, logistically with, with that. And, the, and then my kids, uh, my brother and sister-in-law will watch the kids. Um, as far as the game, um, you know, I, I think I'm expecting more of what we've seen. Um, I think it's going to be a great game. I think it's going to be a close game. Um, you know, that offense is going to be really challenging to stop, but the Bengals defense have been, you know, bending and, and not breaking the, their last, their last two halves, the second half of each of their last two games against the chiefs. I just heard this. They, they only gave up 83 yards in the second half. Yeah. The, under a hundred. Yeah. Which is, I mean, that's, if you told me that, that they'll do that going into the game, I, I would have, I would have bet any amount of money that that wouldn't happen. <laughs> so um, defensively they're, they really are, um, you know, they're coming together and really playing well offensively. You know, I think Joe will do more. Aaron Donald is going to pose a huge problem. Jalen Ramsey will probably be locked up on, on Jamar. That'll be an interesting matchup. It'll be interesting to see if they, if they try to just cover him man with, with, with arguably the best cornerback uh, in the NFL. And, um, you know, Von Miller is going to, the, 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 the offensive line of, have um, at times, you know, not played the way that we wanted them to. So it's going to be a challenge, and uh, I think it's going to be exciting. And, again, I expect Joe to do more of what I've seen him do for his whole life. Are you going, final question, chain and medallion shopping with Joe before Super Bowl media day? Um, I am not, but I I mean, I think I might need one of those, those chains. So <laughs> maybe on – Maybe on Joe's second contract, I need to tell him that I need. I, I'm, so I'm James Arthur Burrow the third. So maybe I need a Roman numeral three blinged out chain that I can wear a, a black turtleneck and then have that thing hang, hanging out over it. But we'll 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 see. Well, good luck on on pulling off that 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 Roman numeral uh, of of diamonds, bud. And please send me a picture of it if you do. Oh, uh, it'll be on Twitter as soon as I get it, um, if, if that happens. Jamie, take care, man. Good travels and have a great time. Okay, thank you. Have a good day. Appreciate it. Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. I'm Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor of Hale Varsity. And I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we produce. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. And we're back. Fellas, I think we could listen to the radio listen? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Back into it, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery Hall of Fame coach, Colorado Northwestern, Gary Barnett with us. And coach, those old Mizzou Tigers, I think, finished number 11 nationally uh, in recruiting. How, how's, uh, how's your Thursday going? You staying warm? Yeah, yeah, the Tigers did pretty well. And that's um, even, they lost an all uh, SEC defensive lineman that was a freshman that went to LSU through the portal. So, you know, they did pretty well. Um, it's so hard to tell 
you know, it's always been hard to tell, but it, it, it's really hard to tell now with the portal how these things are going to end up. But uh, good Thursday here, getting ready to play a little golf. Man, I'm jealous. I will be down in late March around NCAA tournament time, and I'm telling Mom already to get the tee times locked in. I can't wait for warm weather. We've been really happy here overall weather-wise, but we're getting the old zero degree and then minus 17 windshield middle finger today so uh, <laughs> it is what it is man but uh what's your what's your reaction what's your what's your read on how coaches are coping with the portal coach frost yesterday he's got a great attitude towards it he's like doesn't matter what i think of it i've got to i got to deal with it and you kind of adapt or die here and, and i think nebraska did a good job of it yeah, you do adapt or die, and it's it's all new. Nobody's you know got a blueprint for this, and so as a result, you have no idea of potential consequences. Uh, you know, in the past, you you always sort of through experience and uh, you know stories from other people can sort of expect what what can go wrong, but you have no idea now. I just. I read an article this morning, um, you know, Colorado lost 22, they lost 22 players to the portal and, and Carl Durrell said, you know, he made a big mistake. He was, they were in such a rush to get signing date because there was very little time between the end of the season and uh, signing date that they all headed out on the road. And as a result, they, uh, they should have interviewed all their players and made sure that their players were happy, and as a result, they lost seven starters. So, you know, I think um, I think you when you put where you're going to recruit, whether you're going to go to high school, whether you're going to go to college, where you're going to go to the portal, you better put your team on the top of that list because you're you better re- recruit those guys every single year as well. And at least you have a captive audience. Get to them first. Have an idea of where everybody stands and if there's somebody that's unhappy see if you can you know fix it before uh you head out to recruit other people someplace else so um again that's one of the consequences people didn't see coming well you nailed it coach barnett with the priorities got to be your own kids first keep who you have already uh, as it should always be anyway but you lose sight of that because you're in such a hurry well, and, and it's it's that new normal where you, you kids you have, you got to keep re-recruiting, which I'm sure is a wear out, but maybe the, the upside of that is just better communication, right? Uh, like like Coach Durrell was talking about uh, with the, the, the interviews, and that's something that I would think you'd do anyway, kind of the exit, exit interview after each season with your kids and your returners, your hopeful returners Gary Barnett with us coach what do you make of of Jimbo Fisher's comments yesterday uh regarding uh, NIL and this uh, assumption that A&M's so loaded that they're getting kids because of their resources and also Lane Kiffin not holding back and it was I chuckled about the the insinuation of the A&M luxury tax <laughs> that Lane was talking about. Uh, well, let's, let's... you know, uh, Chris, uh, two things on that. One is it, Jimbo's the only one that knows that stuff, whether it's going on or not. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that information got put out there on a uh, website, uh, and I sort of agree with him. People just put it out there and say if somebody will buy it, and pretty soon 
reputable sports writers are talking about it, mentioning it, and giving it credence, and all of a sudden now it becomes its own story. And uh, you know, he, he's probably right on. I mean, probably there, there's there's money someplace. There there has to be. There always has been, and always will be. But probably not near what everybody thinks it is. And so, uh, you know, I don't blame him. I think sometimes you've got to stand up and, and blast all that stuff or else um, you become victim of it. And so you, you got to stand up to it. So he's the only one that knows how much of that is true. And, and what Lane uh, mentioned, and there's two things to Lane's statements, the luxury tax deal, you know, the IRS is going to get involved with all this. In the end, it may be the IRS that brings all this back to reality um, because they're not going to let all that money sit out there without it being taxed appropriately. So they may be the saving grace for football coaches and for the NCAA to somehow uh, find a way to uh, to bring this thing back to normalcy. And, and Lane's right – that there does need to be a cap, but there's we don't there's not a way to do that. There's no um, you, you need a uh, you know a czar. You need an NFL type of arrangement where all things are equal. You cannot do that in college. You can never create a level playing field. You can level it out more, but you can't create a level playing field. You can't tell Nick Saban he only, he only gets one. Uh, top 500 player or top 300 player. You can't do that. And just because schools have their individuality and conferences have theirs, but especially schools. And you don't ever want to lose that. You don't want to make everybody the same. You want to make the rules for everybody pretty much the same, but not when it comes to admissions, not when it comes to, you know, the amount of money each university spends on whatever they're going to spend it on. So <clears throat> it's a, uh, you know, Lane's right needs to be done, but there's there is no way, there's no method, there's no machinery to bring that about. Gary right Barnett, now. Gary Barnett's with us at Hale Varsity Radio. Excuse me, there, Coach, but I'm just shaking my head and in the the thought about the IRS, my my take on the IRS and the fact that they could kind of help uh, balance out college football. Uh, yeah, but you know, uh, better. Better late than never, right? For yeah. For, yeah. for for them, uh, a thought here on in-state recruiting. Nebraska is going to be more attentive, uh, I guess, is the word I'd use to in-state talent and regional talent. A lot of upcoming talent in Missouri and in uh, Iowa and then Kansas. And Nebraska's got uh, a staff that will no doubt be tireless on the recruiting trail. Nebraska has done well in Colorado as well. What was your attitude about uh, in-state uh, recruiting when you were at Colorado, specifically the fact that you were going to lose some kids uh, in-state to out-of-state schools just because of your population base? It was larger in the region than some of your other surrounding states. How did you deal with that? Well, First of all, I had a different situation because I was—I had pretty much grown up in Colorado. I mean, I coached high school football there for 11 years. Was president of the Colorado Coaches Association. Coached small, small college there. Uh, I was at the university for eight years before I became the head coach. So, you know, my roots, basically professional roots, were in Colorado. And what I what I realized after being on a couple different staffs 
is that um, your coaches um, will tend to think that the area that they are from has the best players. And so if you get coaches from California and you got coaches from Texas, they think the best players are out there. And, and they, uh, their perception of, for example, Colorado was not the same as mine. So I put every coach in the state. I wanted, I wanted every high school coach to have a college coach at the University of Colorado. I wanted him to have his cell number. I want him to be able to talk to him anytime. I want him to, so that our coaches started to get a better feel for the players in the state and for the thoughts and feelings of the high school coaches and the fans in the state. I wanted them to, to look first in Colorado and then look somewhere else later. And uh, so that's how I approach. And, and you're, you know, you're always going to lose some players. That's just the way it is because Colorado's never owned Colorado. And uh, the, the closest it's happened is when I was a head coach in 2001 or through 99 through 2005, we took more players in the state of Colorado than any coach had ever done. And so, but that was my priority. And that's what I thought was important to do. Gary Barnett's with us on Hale Varsity Radio. Coach, uh, what was your favorite region to recruit outside of Colorado? Did you like Texas, Cali, Florida, Illinois, Missouri? Where did you like to go look at kids? You know, I think if they said to me, you get to go recruit one city in this United States, and that's it, no other place, I'd say, all right, I'll take Houston, Texas. Okay. And uh, the culture in Texas for football players is the best it's better than florida uh i'm not saying by much but it is the best and uh it's i thought it was better than california i thought it was better than any place else and so you always knew if you got kids out of texas they've been coached hard they've been around football their entire life for the most part um and so we had a lot of students at the university of colorado from uh from texas as well but but Texas would be my first place. That's fascinating. And your points are... are... After Colorado. Yeah, yeah, no, after Colorado. <laughs> no, I know. I, that's what yeah. the question was. But now I can just see that. What type of kid are you getting in, and can they take uh, take to coaching? Uh, Tom Brady uh, is retired. I'm going to miss seeing him play. I don't know that he's going to stay retired. Coach, what do you think about that? Do you think Brady's going to be able to figure out the, the retirement life he's been such a competitor for so long well the the competitive part of me says boy i'd like to see this guy go as long as he could go Same here. see just to see if he can do it i mean without him getting hurt but but in the end i think we all take one we usually all take one step too far and so brady has decided he's not going to take that step and uh so I, I admire him for that. I admire him for his dedication to his family, as it appears. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, I think it's a smart move by him. Were you able to, to chill in retirement? I mean, golf and barbecue, and I mean, it, it sounds no. a lot of fun. No? no? No. Restless? No. I wasn't ready to retire. Well, how long did it take to ease into it? Uh, I think it took me probably eight years. Wow. Before I, I was resolved that mm-hmm. that was it. and. And probably, you know, like I said, it's it's uh, like shingles. It can show up any time. <laughs> every year, my wife says, when it turns late November, early December, my shingles come out. 
Gary Barnett with us. Coach, hit him far and straight today. Thanks for a few minutes. All right, Chris. Great being with you. Like what you hear, high-quality radio and podcast is part of what we do at Hale Varsity. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we produce, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's HailVarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. And now, and now back to Hail Varsity Radio. Back into it, it's Hail Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Danny Burke with us, Burke's Best Bets, VEASAN Sports Network, the Danny Burke Show, Rush Hour, and of course his podcast, all over iHeartMedia and several affiliates around the country at Danny Burke Five on Twitter. Pride of Chicago, uh, did you have to use a credit card or do you have a scraper to get all that snow off the windshield? That's actually hilarious that she said both of those things because I did have to use the scraper to get the snow off. But yesterday when I was uh, working before my show, I accidentally knocked my lit candle on the floor. Wax went everywhere, and to scrape it up, I had to use the credit card. So uh, I have used both in the last 24 hours. Well, at least you didn't have to use the old credit card outside. Uh, we've got our Super Bowl <laughs> matchup set up, Rams, Cincy. How did the uh, the AFC Championship games treat you, either uh, live betting or prop betting or just overall picks? Yeah, so I ended up staying away from both the spread and the total for each game. Really, the, the biggest thing that I liked was the under for that 49ers and Rams matchup, and that came home pretty sound. Now, aside from that, Schmitty, uh, I, I think I talked about it. If not, I might have added it a little bit later after your show, but I did a couple props I did. Mahomes over his completions, 25 and a half, and I think he ended up with 26. So uh, we were sweating that one out to say the least, and then I had Stafford over his past 10, 34 in the hook, and he cruised over that thing. So overall, not bad. Uh, in terms of what surprised me, of course, it's the Bengals, right? I mean, you know, winning that game, let alone coming back from like a 23, 24, whatever point deficit it was against Patrick Mahomes on the road, it's just astounding what Joe Burrow and company have been able to do. Now, looking in the full scope of this game, Schmitty, I mean, this thing opened three and a half. Uh, total opened as high as 51. You've seen it go down to about 48 and a half. Spread has gone up to now as high as four and a half in favor of the Rams. I don't disagree with the movement. I guess I'm just a little appalled that it went up that high that quickly. Now, you won't really see as much of an impact going back and forth until Super Bowl week in itself. That's when people start betting more. That's when people are going to state sports books where it's available because the Super Bowl is the only sporting event in the United States where the public actually has effect on the line. Otherwise, it's just that sharp, respected money. So the Super Bowl is the aberration to that. So looking at this game against me, I like the Rams here, honestly. I think they do win this game outright. I'm not in love with laying the four in the hook. 
but they've been building up to this thing for years. And I know it's funny because I've probably come on here, you know, touting against the Rams, but with this matchup against the Bengals, I just think they're far and away the better team, especially when it comes to the trenches against that bad offensive line that is Cincinnati. I mean, Joe Burrow can only escape so many times, and especially when it comes to going against Von Miller and Aaron Donald. And you could go, okay, well, Joe Burrow's creative. He can improvise. He got Jamar Chase. Well, let me counter that with Jalen Ramsey to limit him downfield. That should be able to be sufficient enough. So you put all that into the group of why the offense of Cincinnati might slack, and then you look at the Rams' offense themselves, and as long as Matt Stafford gets that protection, we know he can be a solid quarterback. We know he's dealt with so much adversity in Detroit that's led him up to this point, coming from behind, or actually um, still hanging out against Tampa Bay, then coming from behind against the 49ers and a team they've lost to twice already this season. I just feel like the Rams are better built for this moment, and I know you and I have talked about it a lot when we discuss kind of like this Vegas team and a little bit with the Bengals, but truthfully it seems like they're playing with house money almost. It's not that they shouldn't be here. They definitely deserve it. I just deep down still don't believe them to be the team to win it all. Like I I feel like we, we, we don't have the two best teams in the Super Bowl, as weird as that sound is and as incorrect as it is. I still think the Bills are the best team, even though they couldn't get the job done with 13 seconds. But it's been a weird year, and I think it's going to be capped off with the Rams getting the job done. Now, now Danny, I, I, I kind of want to be the voice of reason here because the Bengals, they're undefeated against the spread in the playoffs. You can correct me if I'm wrong there, but I think my memory serves me correctly. And uh, we had... Uh, Bengals defensive end Sam Hubbard go on uh, the Pardon My Take show and said they were doing this playoff run for Harambe. So are you comfortable <laughs> betting against the, the power of Harambe here? Look, you know, that definitely scared me a little bit. Um, I, I think we're almost past the statute of limitation on Harambe, though. No? <laughs> you get one championship with Cincinnati. I don't know how that works, but I did see that. Uh, me and my team are aware of that, so we have a – we have uh, factored that into our handicapping, so uh, we'll see the final results where the spread moves to. But, no, I mean, you're right. Look, Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati team, they've been outstanding as underdogs. So that's why when it comes to the spread, I don't know if I'm going to play. But I was just talking to someone on my show last night, and they were kind of alluding to that, look, when it comes to this game, if it's under a touchdown with the spread, chances are it's just going to be the outright. So, like, if you're the favorite, for example – you know, they cover that more times than they don't. And if you're the underdog, well, instead of taking the four and the hook with the Bengals, you might as well take the plus value on them outright because more often than not, they're not going to cover that spread as a dog under the touchdown. They, or, I mean, they will, but they'll end up winning it outright too. So that's kind of a way you can approach it. And if there are people out there too, and I just want to put that out there, for anybody who wants to bet the Bengals, you're getting about plus 160 or so on the money line. Instead of doing that, honestly, just bet Joe Burrow win MVP because you're getting upwards to like plus 225, a little bit higher than that. And let's be honest, I probably put it at like a 95% chance that the Bengals win. Joe Burrow is getting the Super Bowl MVP. So that's how I think you should approach it if you want to go to the side of Zach Taylor and company. Daddy Burke, Burke's Best Bets, VEASAN Sports Network, some props you've looked at, uh, a thought at all on Mixon. Also, uh, Gay is not the the best kicker, but you know, around forty, he's good. McPherson's been incredible. Yeah, so I'll start with Mixon. Um, I know a lot of people are looking to bet Cam Akers under on his rushing prop. I kind of like it, but I like this one more so with Mixon, considering they're going into this game as an underdog and that virtually nobody can run against this Rams front. I can't envision a game where Joe Mixon is cruising over his rushing yards prop. I think the number I got it at is like 65 and a half. 
and I bet that thing under with a little bit of juice, like minus 125. Mixon's gone over that, I think, a total of maybe eight to ten times this season, but only once this postseason, and oddly enough, against Kansas City. But, look, Kansas City, not the best run defense. Los Angeles ranks fifth in DVOA run defense, and no opposing running back this postseason has gone over that mark against them. And if you're you know, subscribing to the mindset and the philosophy that, hey, the Rams might be leading for a majority of this game, it's do or die, of course, so they're not going to settle and run the ball, right? It's going to try to be pass, pass, pass to catch up. And I think you'll see Mixon at the beginning, but once we get to the second half where everything becomes more crucial, I think you'll see a little bit more limited Joe Mixon, especially against the great front seven that is Los Angeles. So I bet his rushing yards under. As for the kicking props, I talked about this on my show last week I thought was pretty interesting, and that was the Cincinnati Bengals' first half number of successful field goals over a half. So basically, do you think the field goal or uh, the Bengals knocked down a field goal in the first half? Last week I did yes. This week I'm doing yes again, minus 143. McPherson's a stud. He's gone over this in every single postseason game. And when you're looking at the Bengals, again, kind of same philosophy, they're going to be more prone to settling for a field goal in the first half because you still have so much more time. Whereas if you're in the second half and you're trailing and it's like fourth and four, you're more prone to going for it, right? You're not going to settle for a field goal in the first half or in the second half. In the first half, you're a little bit more comfortable with it. Just get points on the board while you can. And that has been consistent with McPherson and the Bengals. So I'm looking for that to happen again. Bengals over a half field goal made in the first half. Danny, last thought here, about 10 seconds. Opening coin flips, even money both ways. What are you feeling, heads or tails? Tails never fail. That's the answer every <laughs> single year, and you got to bet the over on the national anthem unless we hear otherwise. That's what you always got to do, baby. Danny Burke, Burke's Best Bets, Pride of Chicago, V's and Sports. Danny, have a good weekend. Hey, you bet. You guys, too. Like what you hear? High-quality radio and podcasts are just part of what we do at Hale Varsity. I'm Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor. I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we do. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe promo code gbr miss us come here brother give me a hug bring it in for the real thing we're on call for you catch the podcast at hailvarsity.com the espn lincoln app or download them on itunes saddle up partner back to hail varsity radio one final time on a thursday good stuff big thanks to danny burke and, uh, of course, Gary Barnett and Jamie Burrow talking about the uh, full Burrow experience as an older brother, as a Husker standout. Uh, really cool to hear his story. We'll talk to a proud papa uh, all already in Bengals gear, uh, Coach Jimmy Burrow, uh, standout Husker, and, of course, uh, coached with Jimmy Walden at uh, Washington State and Iowa State. And uh, was also D coordinator for a number of years for Coach Solich. Uh, so uh, Jimmy Burrow with us tomorrow. Those guys are awesome. We've had uh, Coach Burrow on before, but uh, first time talking to Jamie in about twenty years. Quite honestly, covering him and that O one team. Can continue your emails at chris at A lot of different feedback. 
uh, with uh, the alcohol question. The Board of Regents going to chat about allowing beer at the Big Ten Championships in uh, Lincoln, PBA, February 11th is the Regents meeting. You have the end, uh, first part of March, that that fourth and fifth date, both those dates. For Nebraska to, hey, show uh, the rest of the Big Ten how awesome Lincoln is as a wrestling host. We know the city and hotels and restaurants are game for it. But if you're going to have a, a national event, Trev Alberts hit the nail on the head, have the same amenities at some of the other places. Reminder to buckle up. Game preparation and repetition predict success and winning. Drivers and vehicle passengers who always use their seatbelts will increase their survival chances if a crash should happen. Remember to always buckle up. A message from the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. Brandon Vogel also with us earlier today. So catch all of it on the podcast. And uh, can do that Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. It's where you find the podcast. Give us a rating, good, bad, ugly. Want to hear what your thoughts are, the feedback. And can't say uh, thank you enough for all the downloads you've given Hail Varsity Radio. Keep doing it. Tell a friend and uh, go from there. Elijah, plans tonight? Obviously, stay warm. Are you going to fire up the uh, the gaming system? Are you going to cook a little uh, legendary mac and cheese? You gonna go shoot hoops? What's what's on the agenda tonight? Uh, my sister is in the uh, the high school talent show over at Lincoln oh, Southeast night of nights, so uh, I think I'm gonna go uh, check that out at about seven o'clock, and then uh, get home. And uh, I think uh, I think me and my roommates are planning on watching the new episode of The Book of Boba Fett. How how is that? Uh, I'm firmly in the boat that Disney has completely ruined the Star Wars franchise. Uh, I have not been. Uh, is, is this like fan? this? This the um, uh, see, uh, season two, or is this the prequel th- stuff? This is season one. So this is so it's uh, different than the Boba Fett that was on Disney Plus. That was the Mandalorian. Uh, uh well, but that's the same guy. No, no, no. The Mandalorian's not Boba Fett. Get your Star Wars lore in Dude, order, dude. Come on. on. <laughs> I thought I thought at the end of season two with the Mandalorian. Oh yeah, yeah. Boba's in there. Same Boba. Yes. Sorry. Sorry. Same time frame. You you were correct. I thought you meant like the Mandalorian himself was Boba Fett. I'm like, no, 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 yeah, no, no, no. S- same Boba. It's this is after he climbs out of the the Sarlacc pit, right? In in uh, Star Wars uh, episode, what would have been six? Yeah, yeah. Return of the Jedi. Yeah. So this is after he, he climbs out, and now he's taken over uh, uh, Jabba the Hutt's throne. Essentially, oh, his, so he's the mm-hmm. the wormy gangster. Yeah. I, I've much preferred uh, Peacemaker though on HBO Max with John Cena. Okay, where he's the, the superhero has been pretty good. Where you at on Ozark? Ozark still haven't started season four. All right, get to it. A Huda Media Production.